hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Oh My Allergies podcast. This is your hostess with the mostest, Valencia. And if you are new here, the Oh My Allergies podcast is a podcast about all things allergies. Whether you have food allergies, seasonal allergies, skin allergies, or even your pet has allergies, Oh My Allergies is a safe space for discussions for those that need a bit of advice and support from someone who understands their struggle. Let's learn how to navigate life and learn how to thrive with our allergies together. Welcome back to the Oh My Allergies podcast. Before we get started, make sure that you hit that subscribe button on your podcast platform of choice. Make sure that you rate and review the podcast. Hopefully it is five stars and tell people that you know and don't know about the Oh My Allergies podcast. So in today's episode, I'm going to be talking about exercise induced anaphylaxis and whether or not you can actually be allergic to exercise, which is something that sounds so far-fetched and so crazy, but actually exists and there's people who live with this condition even though it is on the rare side but I think it's just so interesting being able to learn about so many other different types of allergies that exist in the world and being able to you know do research on them and being able to talk it through with you guys because I know like sometimes when I go look through some of these articles and like academic scientific journals it can be really really like scary to tackle on but being able to have it where it's broken down a little bit more so like in layman's terms so that you're able to understand it and I just think it's just really interesting to learn about other people's allergy journeys and be able to just bring awareness to just a lot of different allergies that at least in my opinion aren't being talked about that much or they are but they're literally like on the 50th page of the google search so hopefully you guys find this episode to be as interesting as I do and find it very fascinating and you learn something new and And like I say, in all these types of episodes, you know, I don't claim to be a doctor or an allergist or any healthcare professional of that sort. So just take that, you know, this is just me just like doing research on my own and being able to kind of go through with you guys what I found and what I thought was just really interesting and what I think is just a very fascinating allergy to be quite honest, because I know a lot of people tend to like joke and be like, oh, like I'm allergic to exercise or whatever, but there's actually people who deal with anaphylaxis and different severity levels of it when it comes to you know, exercising and doing things that some people tend to take for granted. Some people, it could uh, put them in a situation where it costs them their life. So like I said, hopefully you guys enjoy this episode, learn something new and yeah. But before we get into today's episode, you guys know I have to talk about what's been going on. I literally don't know where to start. Um, My life literally has been kind of crazy probably for this whole past month of November. It's just been crazy with my school schedule picking up in terms of like heavy duty assignments and my work schedule. And then I recently crossed um, and became a woman of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. So all those things in combination have just been taking up a lot of my time and I just haven't had the time to brainstorm some new fresh episodes 
episodes for the podcast and kind of got into like a rut in terms of what I wanted future episodes to look like, you know, where I see all my allergies going in terms of the future and kind of didn't really know what I wanted to talk about on the podcast. So I really want to take some time to be able to, you know, brainstorm, regroup, but I'm now starting to get back into the right mindset and brainstorming new content for you guys and scheduling some interviews for the podcast because I know you guys really love being able to have a mixture of me talking on the microphone but also being able to hear other perspectives as well. So a lot of cool things are in the works here at Oh My Allergies and I'm super excited for you guys to learn about them and for you guys to hear some of our future episodes to come. But I know that Thanksgiving just recently passed so I hope everyone had a really great Thanksgiving. Um, I know it looked a lot different this year for everyone you know whether it was because you couldn't get together with your entire family or some of your loved ones was missing from the dinner table due to COVID uh, taking their lives but I just hope that amongst all the things that are happening in the world right now that you were able to cherish the people that you had around you on that day be able to sit back and just count your blessings and not your problems because you know they always say that there's someone that has it worse than you and that doesn't mean that your problems aren't important Um, I think it's important to acknowledge everything that is happening around you and in the world and to let your emotions out that you have based on everything that's happening slash is happening but don't let those emotions just take over your life completely and run you into this like emotional negative uh space you know if you're listening to this you know you have so much to be thankful for such as you know your health and your life because so many people now don't have that and I feel like this Thanksgiving carries so much more weight uh, than other Thanksgivings have, at least in my opinion. Although yes, you know, it's really nice to have really good food. Um, Speaking of good food, I cooked more than I ever have for Thanksgiving. I'm just gonna put that out there. Um, I made like salmon, um, I made dairy-free macaroni and cheese, and a pumpkin pie. And this was my first time making macaroni and cheese, and that's normally a dish that I just don't touch. Um, I'm a firm believer in leaving it to the seasoned professionals to make different dishes so if it's not your specialty you know it's not going to be your specialty today and it's definitely not going to be your specialty overnight but it didn't turn out bad at all for it to be my first time making it and I made it just for my mom and I and she said she liked it and I kept asking her if she liked it because if she's my mom or if she liked it because it was actually legit good and she said she enjoyed it so I mean to be honest that's all I care about but anyway before I got on that little mini tangent um back to what I was saying yes it's nice to have really good food and be able to score some good or even great deals but that's not what Thanksgiving is about nor is it the origin of Thanksgiving you know I just want people to remember and to not ever forget the true meaning of Thanksgiving which is it's supposed to be a day of thanks and celebrating the harvest and other blessings of the past year whether that's figuratively physically or spiritually with the harvest of you know all the seeds that you've sown uh, over the course of this year and the positive affirmations that you've been declaring over your life this entire year so I know I got a little deep there but that's basically what's been on my mind what's been on my heart and what's kind of been going on with me uh for like the past month um so I'm super excited to get back at it with you guys and to talk about oh my allergies content and allergy things and yeah so now I'm gonna get right into my foodie likes
one of my Fuji likes that I've been really liking as of late has been from the brand Nadamoo. I think I'm pronouncing that right, Nadamoo, but it's a brand that I found out about from Instagram. I was actually talking to uh, Maria Alexander from Allergy With Me. We've had her on the podcast before and on Instagram and also in that episode, she talked about the brand Nadamoo and how she really, really likes it and really likes their ice cream. So I was like, let me go try it. And for the longest time, I wasn't able to find it at any grocery store near me, but then I found it at Whole Foods and I was like, oh my goodness, I finally can actually see it with my eyes instead of just seeing it on Instagram. Like, let me go try it out. So I tried their cookies and cream ice cream and I was a little apprehensive about it. I'm not going to lie because I'm very picky when it comes to cookies and cream ice cream. In my experience, no one really has ever perfected the cookies and cream recipe for the people who are dairy free. Like, I feel like they don't care about us. (laughs) Just in general, like for ice creams in general that are dairy free, like in the past, in my experience, it just doesn't, it just doesn't taste the same. Like as a person who has actually tried Oreo ice cream and cookies and cream ice cream before finding out that I shouldn't be eating any of those things and knowing like how good it tasted going down and like comparing it to like these dairy free versions, like in the past, like when all that was really in the market for ice cream is concerned was like soy milk ice cream and like rice milk ice cream like those types of things like it just wasn't doing it for me so I was like that's kind of like how I felt when I saw the brand not a moo I was like okay I mean trying one more cookies and cream ice cream is not going to be that bad and then plus I was like well it might actually taste good because of the coconut that's in it the coconut milk because I know coconut milk is really really creamy but also that means it's going to be really really sweet so I was kind of like so ended up getting it actually really liked it honestly and I just don't say that about cookies and cream ice cream because I'm very 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 picky but it was very creamy I do wish in the pint that I first tried that it had more cookie in it uh not gonna lie I felt like there was a little bit of skimpiness on the cookie but when I got it a second time I felt like I had as many cookies as I wanted in the actual ice cream so I actually really liked it I liked the flavor of it overall I would buy it again I liked the cookie in it I like how creamy it is but yeah definitely recommend Nadamu. Um, another thing that I've been liking recently has been this turmeric tonic from this blog that I've been following for like years and it's from the minimalist baker so it's like this healing three ingredient turmeric tonic that I've been making recently just because of everything as far as like trying to keep your immunity really up and high and trying to make sure that your immune system is as strong as it can be so really have been drinking this tonic not like every day but like more than I would normally drink tea I would probably say um but lately just in general we've been drinking a lot of tea because my mom's like oh like we need to keep our immune system and our immunity up and make sure that our body is strong enough to be able to fight you know anything just in general you know whether that's a virus whether that's a cold or anything like that you know how my body works is that I don't get sick that often so she's like we want to keep it that way so really I've been drinking so many different types of drinks like teas and kombucha and all this other type of stuff this tonic has three ingredients in it it's turmeric um, and ginger and lemon so a little bit about turmeric it has really good antioxidant and anti-inflammatory effects Um, it's just been used for so many years and it's just really really good for you Um, it just does really amazing things as far as healing is concerned ginger it's a natural anti-inflammatory and antioxidant as well it's really helpful for like digestion relieving nausea and then lemon of course it's alkalizing it's detoxifying 
satisfying. It helps you with healthy bowel movements. Obviously has a lot of vitamin C in it. It helps with really boosting your immune system. And then also in the drink, it says you can put cayenne pepper, but we don't really have cayenne pepper like super often in the house. So what they say that works just as well as using black pepper. So I use black pepper. It's really super easy to make. I usually do a fine balance of fresh ingredients or like the grated or like ground versions of things. What I'll usually do is like use both because I feel like you can't use too much of it. So what I'll do is like I'll use like grated turmeric and then a little bit of ground turmeric and then do grated ginger and then ground ginger and then use lemon. They say you can put a sweetener in it. I just don't really like sweet things and my mom doesn't either so I just normally don't and it tastes really good as is. Like I feel like putting sweetener in it like would be like just too much. I like having like the little bits of like ginger and turmeric to eat and it tastes so good and ginger sometimes is spicy and it's just like catches you off guard. Oh I just love having fresh ginger. Definitely recommend that drink especially during this time when you're trying to keep your immune system strong and healthy and it's just really good as well. Another booty like for me has been from this brand Violife. I came across them at Whole Foods. Been really liking their Colby Jack shredded vegan cheese. I use this cheese actually for the macaroni and cheese that I mentioned a little bit ago that I made for my mom and I for Thanksgiving and it's just been one of my favorites as of late. It melts really well. It tastes you know very creamy which is why I wanted to try using it for the macaroni and cheese that I made. Since the cheese is made with coconut oil actually you can taste kind of like this little coconutty flavor to it and if you've cooked with coconut oil before then you know that it can make the food that you have taste a little bit coconutty and sometimes depending on the food you may want that taste or you might not mind that taste and then sometimes you do mind that taste and you don't want that taste at all so I was a little hesitant with adding it to the macaroni and cheese for that reason but you couldn't even taste it at all so I was super happy about that I've also used it for like taco salads sometimes on Tuesdays at home my mom and I we make taco salads so sometimes we use some sort of like vegan protein like crumbles but sometimes we don't and we just fill up our salads with a bunch of veggies but I do recommend this cheese like I said it's really creamy so it's really perfect for like tacos for casseroles whatever you want to use it for honestly it's just really good and yeah but those have been my foodie likes as of late so and now I guess I can get right into the allergy news allergy news article that I'm going to be talking about today is from CNN and it's titled antibiotic use in babies linked to allergies, asthma, and other condition study finds. So there was a study by Mayo Clinic Proceedings that came out earlier in November that claims babies and toddlers who received one dose of antibiotics that they were more likely to have asthma, eczema, hay fever, food allergies, celiac disease, problems with weight, obesity, and attention deficit hyperactive disorder later in their childhood. So this study discovered that out of the children that received around like one or two prescriptions, that the girls were at a much higher risk of developing asthma and celiac disease when compared to those who were underexposed. However, receiving three to four prescriptions was more so associated with a higher incidence of things like asthma, um, atopic dermatitis, uh, 
overweight in both girls and boys, ADHD and celiac in girls, and obesity in boys. Now, the article talks about how the study mentions antibiotics such as penicillin and cephalosporin and how penicillin was associated with increased risk for asthma and overweight in both sexes, celiac disease, and ADHD in girls and obesity in boys, whereas they were associated with reduced risk for autism in girls. And cephalosporin uh, was linked to a higher risk for the greatest number of conditions such as like autism and food allergies. Now, according to CNN, the senior study author, his name is Nathan Labrasser, and he's a researcher at Mayo Clinic's Center on Aging. He said that antibiotics, they have such an impact like this due to the bacteria in a baby's gut being disrupted and that's needed for the proper development of the immune system, um, neural development, body composition, and metabolism. So when it comes to antibiotics, they don't really know the difference between good bacteria and bad bacteria in the digestive tract. So they kill both the good and the bad bacteria and then leave the gut without the appropriate microbiome distribution. So this article, it talks about how we need certain bacteria in order to, you know, absorb nutrients, break down foods in your intestines, and be able to just protect the entire digestive system from pathogens. Then the article dives into this conversation of how our microbiome and the role that it plays in everything, like how our immune system responds to different things, um, how our bodies respond to chemotherapy, and just so much more. And I just overall found this article just to be super, super interesting. And I just highly recommend reading this article because it just has so much great information in it that I feel that people should be more so aware of. So the link to the article will be in the show notes like all the allergy news articles are. But yeah, without further ado, we can get right into today's topic which is all about exercise-induced anaphylaxis. So like I said earlier, today's episode is going to be all about if it's possible to be allergic to exercise, which when I first thought about it I was like being allergic to exercise like that's kind of like a joke that people tend to make when they want to get out of doing exercise or like oh I'm allergic to exercise and all these other different things that people look at as being super funny but when you really kind of come to terms with oh dang like people can actually be allergic to exercise which spoiler alert you can be allergic to exercise it's kind of really crazy to wrap your head around because it's not something that you see a lot of people talking about um and it's not something that you tend to think about unless you have to think about this in your day-to-day life and it's something that you deal with so like I said in today's episode I'm going to be talking about what the actual term is for being allergic to exercise which it is called exercise induced anaphylaxis so going into like what it is different symptoms more so on the mild side the severe side that type of thing just getting right into the nitty-gritty of some things about exercise induced anaphylaxis but before I get right into this episode I do want to say a disclaimer that I always say when I do these types of episodes because I'm not trying to get in trouble so I'm not a doctor I'm not an allergist I'm not any sort of healthcare professional like literally not at all like not a nope I respect the 
those people. They work super hard to get those credentials. And I'm literally just a person who has allergies. I love talking about them, researching them, and learning about different types of allergies and being able to talk with people who have different types of allergies to learn about their experiences and uh, their allergy journeys. So I just want to say that I definitely wanted to put that out there so no one thinks otherwise. If you guys want more resources on exercise induced anaphylaxis, just check out the show notes because there will be some listed there just so that you guys can further your learning and be able to learn about things that probably weren't covered in this episode. But yeah, I was thinking before I get actually into exercise induced anaphylaxis, there's probably going to be people that are like, well, what in the world is anaphylaxis? Like before you get into exercise induced, could you actually talk about the regular anaphylaxis? Well, I actually have literally a whole podcast episode that is dedicated to anaphylaxis. I think it's called What is Anaphylaxis? And in that episode, I explain what anaphylaxis is. I talk about different types of symptoms. I talk about my experiences with anaphylaxis because I do have an anaphylactic allergy. I talk about my first anaphylactic reaction that I remember, what it felt like for me, you know, how scared I was, that type of thing. So you definitely should listen to that episode if you want to get more information on anaphylaxis, especially from a person who has an anaphylactic allergies point of view. But I will briefly explain it because I really want you all to listen to that episode. Like I said, I think it's called What is Anaphylaxis? And I will link the episode in the show notes for you all to be able to go back and listen to it because it is an episode from season one. So definitely give that a listen. But to briefly go into anaphylaxis, anaphylaxis, it's a potentially life-threatening allergic reaction and it affects the entire body. And if it's not treated quickly, it could lead to a lot of things. It could lead to like respiratory arrest, cardiac arrest, and even death, which we don't ever want it to get to that point at all or any of the three to be completely honest. So it's definitely something that you should really, really, really take seriously. Whether you have an anaphylactic allergy or whether you know people who have them or you're around somebody that goes into anaphylactic shock or has an anaphylactic reaction that gets ugly really, 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 really fast, you need to react fast in those situations. You can't just be like taking your sweet time and being like, oh, well, let me find this and that because it could it could get ugly like really, really fast. So now that I've briefly explained what anaphylaxis is, now I can explain what exercise-induced anaphylaxis is because I know that if I wasn't familiar with anaphylaxis, I would be like, okay, that's great that she's talking about exercise-induced anaphylaxis, but like, what is anaphylaxis? And I know that, you know, people who listen to this podcast are people who have allergies and deal with them, but also people who listen to this podcast are people who want to learn more about them from a person who has allergies perspective. So I want to be able to make sure that I'm explaining things and I don't want to assume that people know things. So, you know, if there is a chance for me to kind of briefly go over something that I've talked about before, I definitely want to do that because I don't want to leave people being like, um, what is she talking about? Anyway, exercise-induced anaphylaxis, the acronym for that actually is EIA. And that's where anaphylaxis, it happens during or after you do some sort of a physical activity. It's actually a really, really rare disorder to have. It affects about 2% of the population. So like I said, it's really, really rare. And most of the time it can happen after doing activities like jogging, playing tennis, dancing, and bicycling and some other strenuous activities that have been connected to exercise-induced anaphylaxis are like running, playing soccer soccer, raking leaves, uh, shoveling snow, and horseback riding. However, 
as Franklin from My Wife and Kids said, participating in a lower levels of exercise like walking can also cause a reaction too. And in that way, you know, exercise induced anaphylaxis is very similar to a lot of allergies out there because the severity can differ from person to person. Even though two people might have the same allergy or allergies, they're gonna react differently. The severity of their symptoms is gonna be totally different. So you definitely have to keep that in mind with just allergies in general and also exercise induced anaphylaxis. So if you are familiar with allergic reactions and you know a little bit of the science behind them, then you know that what happens is, okay, your immune system, it makes antibodies and those are proteins in the blood that fight bacteria, foreign matter and bodies, things like that. And they release different immune system chemicals like histamine. And histamine is what causes different symptoms like runny nose, stuffy nose, having hives, those types of symptoms. So according to Medscape, some mild exercise-induced anaphylaxis symptoms include hives, wheezing, um, widespread flushing of the skin, swelling of the lips, swelling of the skin on any part of your body, experiencing abdominal pain, a nausea, vomiting, dealing with some digestion problems, and things like that. But I am going to put this out there because I feel like at least one person who's listened to this episode is like thinking about this. And when I first heard about exercise induced anaphylaxis, I kind of thought about it too, just for like a quick like second and then it like popped out of my head. But being out of breath after a jog does not mean you have exercise induced anaphylaxis. Again, I'm gonna say it. Being out of breath after a jog does not mean you have exercise induced anaphylaxis. You may just be out of shape. Well, I'm joking. Well, like half joking. But anyway, uh, those types of mild symptoms that I kind of went through again before I went into that little mini tangent, some of the mild symptoms of exercise induced anaphylaxis is wheezing, hives, widespread flushing of the skin, swelling of the lips, swelling of the skin, having abdominal pain, nausea, vomiting, dealing with digestion problems, like those types of symptoms, those may be the only types of symptoms that you experience and you may not ever experience any of the symptoms that are more so on the severe side. But some of the severe symptoms uh, that people may experience are like swollen tongue, your throat closing up, having a hoarse voice, going into anaphylactic shock, having difficulty swallowing, breathing, having a persistent cough, wheezing, noisy breathing, um, feeling faint or feeling weak or having low blood pressure, which could lead to circulatory failure and then the person collapsing and then going unconscious and we don't want any of those things to happen. So based on what I've read, doctors don't always like know what causes exercise induced anaphylaxis. You know, this type of allergy, it's something that's not really fully understood and scientists are still like testing different theories and things like that but they do know that the same exercises like I said won't always have the same allergic results it just depends on a lot of different factors the severity of symptoms is going to be totally different for each person now a lot of the time people go through a subset of exercise induced anaphylaxis and it's called food dependent exercise induced anaphylaxis I'm gonna say it again because it's very very long food dependent exercise induced anaphylaxis and that is when you exercise after eating a certain food and then it causes a reaction. So what I find super interesting about food dependent exercise induced anaphylaxis is that you may not normally experience any symptoms when you eat the food but the combination of the physical activity and the food it just sets off you know something in your immune system and it sparks up an allergic reaction and I just find that to be like super crazy interesting because 
because norm like when you really think about it it's like you don't have a reaction to this food normal and so it just is mind-boggling to you but the combination of the physical activity and the food it just does something to your immune system and it's like super crazy now i came across this article on abc news and it's from about october of 2014 so it's about like six years old and this article is about how a marathon runner her name is mary how she has exercise induced anaphylaxis and she does not want that to hold her back from being able to do just the things that she wants to do in her life and in the article they talk about how uh, one day she was on just one of her regular runs and during that run she realized that her eyes were getting really itchy and that her tongue was starting to swell up and then then afterwards like her body got like so many hives and then her lips started to swell up her throat started to close and it just started to go really south really really quickly and then she found out that she ended up having this thing like we're talking about in this episode called exercise induced anaphylaxis and in the article they have some quotes from her talking about like I said how her throat was swelling up and her voice went from sounding normal to really her not having any voice at all and how she was rushed to the emergency room and her eyes were swollen and she could barely see out of them which is very very scary and how the doctors there they injected her with epinephrine and were discussing whether or not they should intubate her to keep her airway open because her throat was closing up really really quickly and how she was in the ICU overnight and that's just definitely something that you have to think about if you have some sort of a severe allergy in general. I know people tend to think of having a severe allergic reaction like that with like food but there are so many different allergy triggers out there and allergens that you know it can happen to pretty much anybody that has any sort of allergy so that's what I try to do with these episodes is to spotlight different allergies that people may not really think of or may not be aware that it exists just to be able to show that you know allergies don't look one type of way and that you can be allergic to so many different things and you could have so many different reactions you know like I said earlier like one reaction is not going to be same as the next you know you might have more so of milder symptoms one person might have symptoms that are more so on the severe side so you just never really know with allergies and it's really kind of like a trial and error of like trying to see what works for you and what doesn't but anyway in this article what I thought was really interesting and why I wanted to talk about it is how there's this allergist he's from the UH Case Medical Center in Cleveland his name is Dr. Kent Nar, and he talks about how you know exercise induced anaphylaxis it's very rare they don't really know kind of what triggers it and how you know I'm discussing right now in this episode how there are cases that are tied to food now although the marathon runner in this article her exercise induced anaphylaxis you know, isn't tied to food, but this doctor said that he had one patient who only had an allergic reaction if they had corn a few hours before exercising, which is very, very different. Um, And he said how in her case, you know, if she ate corn, there wasn't a problem. If she exercised, there wasn't a problem. But if she ate corn within one or two hours of exercising, then she had a mild form of anaphylaxis. You know, I thought that that was really interesting to actually see in an article because like I was just saying like you know you may be fine just exercising on your own you might be fine with eating that food on your own but then mixing the two it just causes something in your body to have these sort of symptoms and you don't really know if it's going to happen all the time you don't really know if it's going to happen some of the time or if it's just going to be kind of like a once in a blue moon type of thing so that's kind of like the whole world of allergies like you really just don't know sometimes when it comes to allergies and symptoms and things like that but speaking of symptoms 
So symptoms of food-dependent exercise-induced anaphylaxis, they can start, you know, basically whenever within the different stages of exercise and can occasionally happen after exercising, even though that's kind of rare. And the food that starts the reaction, it's usually ingested within four hours before exercise. But some of the most common foods that are linked to this food-dependent exercise-induced anaphylaxis are like corn, peanuts, shellfish, tomatoes, and wheat according to Medscape. However, according to Franklin from My Wife and Kids, if you watch that show, then you know why I'm saying however the way that I'm saying it. But anyway, other foods like meat and milk, fruit, soy, lettuce, peas, beans, rice, they can also have an impact as well. Now, in the case of food-dependent exercise-induced anaphylaxis, most people would probably think, oh, well, like, if I just avoid these foods, then, like, everything's gonna be fine. Everything's gonna be peachy. But it might not be just that simple. And I say that because there's also a non-specific version of food-dependent exercise-induced anaphylaxis where you can eat anything before exercising and a reaction still happens. And then also you're going to want to think about how inhalant allergens and like upper respiratory infections, those things have also been tied to exercise-induced anaphylaxis. So symptoms can start if you are like breathing in things like dust mite debris and mold spores and like stuff like that. Like that so that's stuff to take into consideration as well now one thing about exercise induced anaphylaxis just like in general is that it just doesn't go away sadly and the only way it can be prevented is either exercising at lower intensities or changing the type of exercise that you do so for example if you go like on a run in the morning or if you jog then you're probably not going to want to do that and you might want to try something like swimming because it's something that is still you're able to get your exercise in, but it's something that's not been associated with exercise-induced anaphylaxis. So it's one of those things that's a little bit more safer for you to do. And if you think food is what's causing the reaction, you may want to stop eating like six to eight hours before you exercise. Also, another thing that should be considered, which I think is very, very interesting as well, is the weather. So whether it's really, really hot or humid or really cold, that can worsen the reaction. So whether really does have a role to play in it as well. So you may not want to work out in those types of conditions. Also, and I say this in every episode for the most part, probably not every single one, but I've said it multiple, multiple, multiple times that I feel like if you listen to this podcast all the time that it's just engraved in your skull at this point. Read food labels carefully. Read food labels. Like when you have some sort of a food allergy, like you understand the importance of reading food labels real quick. So really make sure you're reading food labels carefully to avoid any food allergens and things like that. Also, depending on how severe your reaction is, you may want to talk with your doctor to figure out if some sort of an auto injector is necessary for you and your health. So an example of an auto injector, if you're not familiar with them, um, if you don't have an anaphylactic allergy and stuff like that is an EpiPen. And if you have food allergies, like severe food allergies or really any other severe type of allergy, then you know that an auto injector is 
filled with emergency injectable adrenaline. I know some people say adrenaline, some people say epinephrine, like it just depends, but it stops the allergic reaction from progressing farther. My advice is to make sure that you are being super safe when you're exercising. So whether that means that you need to exercise with a friend or a family member that is fully aware of your condition and making sure that you have your phone with you when you're exercising, which I personally feel like you should do that anyway, just in case something pops off. But definitely if you're dealing with exercise induced anaphylaxis, you're going to want to have your phone on you so that you can contact somebody if something happens. Um, Call 911 if you're able to, depending on what your symptoms are when you're going through an anaphylactic shock. Um, Make sure you have your auto injector with you at all times and checking and making sure that your auto injector isn't expired. So making sure you're checking it frequently. Also make sure that the people around you are aware of your condition as well and they know how to use the auto injector if you have to carry one and know how to perform CPR just in case it gets to that point. We don't want it to get to that point but sometimes reactions progress and they progress really really fast so you just want to make sure that the people around you are well aware of your condition, what to do in certain different scenarios and making sure that you're prepared and the people around you are prepared as well just to be safe. So if you are experiencing symptoms that are related to exercise induced anaphylaxis, you should just stop what you're doing immediately and rest if you're feeling early symptoms of an allergic reaction. If you're with someone who's showing symptoms of anaphylactic shock, which some of those symptoms could include like difficulty breathing, um, loss of consciousness, having a rapid pulse or having a weak pulse, you're going to want to call 911 like uh immediately. Like n- there's no like uh well let me just call really slowly and let me just let me just take my time no when it comes to anaphylaxis you cannot take your time it's serious like super 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 serious and ask the person if they have emergency medication like beforehand whether it's some sort of an auto injector like I said and to help them to use it if it's available to them also make sure that you stay with the person until emergency help comes and like I said be prepared to give CPR if the person is unresponsive and they stop breathing. And I know all of that sounds like really, really scary and kind of overwhelming, but anaphylaxis is not a joke at all. And I really want to stress that enough in this episode that anaphylaxis is literally not a joke. It is life-threatening, like I said earlier on in this episode, and it can be avoidable and it can be treated, but with quick action. You know, when it comes to anaphylaxis, you cannot take your time with treating it because it could result in death. Like it's really like serious. Like, so you can't just be careless when it comes to dealing with someone who has an anaphylactic allergy of any sort, whether it's food or whether it's non-related to food, like you have to take that stuff seriously. Now, when you're dealing with an anaphylactic allergy of any sort, it's important to make sure that you have identified your allergy trigger or your triggers and you avoid them. And another tip that I have is to make sure that you have a plan in place in case of an emergency. You know, situations happen and, you know, it's really important to know what to do in the event that you experience an anaphylactic reaction. You know, if you know your allergy triggers, you avoid them, you have the proper equipment in place, you know, whether that's an auto injector or any other products that you need to have with you on hand and having a plan in place. And also not only having a plan in place and making sure that you know what's up, making sure the people around you are familiar and know what's up as well. Because if you're in a situation where you, like your symptoms are just so bad to the point where you can't, you know, fend for yourself. And if you have somebody with you, then it's important that they know what to do in case of an emergency as well. 
well and they know, okay, where you keep your auto injector at, you know, how does it need to be administered? Like those types of things, like they need to know that stuff as well. So not also making sure that you are aware, but making sure that people around you are aware as well. That's super, 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 super important. And I think that when people are new to allergies, they tend to think, oh, like I need to, you know, make sure that I know everything that I need to know about my allergy, which is super important. I'm not putting that down, but you need to make sure that the people around you, so whether, you know, you're always around your best friend or whether you're around your family a lot or, you know, whether you have a significant other, you need to make sure that the people that are really close to you know what to do in different types of situations when you have an allergy. But with all that considered, you should be good to go. But however, how I say in these types of episodes, if you suspect that you have this type of an allergy, make sure that you're speaking with your doctor to figure out what's the best game plan for you and your health. You know, I can sit here and talk about all these different things and tips from my experience and tips based off of my knowledge and what I know about different types of allergies. But, you know, I'm not going to be able to cater and help you come up with a plan because uh, like personally for you, because I don't know you and your health history and stuff like that. And I'm not a doctor. So make sure that you speak with your doctor to figure out, like I said, what's the best game plan for you and your health. And these episodes are just supposed to be helpful. There's to be educational and they're supposed to be thought-provoking as well and like I said earlier in this episode and I will say it again I'm not a doctor I'm not an allergist I'm not a healthcare professional and I don't claim to be and those people they work super hard for their credentials like I said you know they've gone through so many years of school that a lot of people don't have the patience to go through and you know I'm not claiming to be any of those people just putting that out there like I said I'm a person who has allergies I love talking about them researching them and learning about them Anna that is that Um, when it comes to these types of episodes I tend to look at like scientific journals and resources like the AAAAI and the ACAAI and genetic and rare diseases information center so like guard like just different resources like that and I always leave additional resources for you all in the show notes so that you guys can further your learning and be able to do your own research because I feel like that's important too but I hope you all enjoyed this episode and learned something new if you have exercise induced anaphylaxis or you know someone that has it send us a note about your experiences on the oh my allergies instagram speaking of our instagram make sure you follow us on there we're at oh my allergies so the name of the podcast and we post just really cool engaging content we post different quotes we post different memes we do clips of episodes we just post a lot of different things so definitely follow us to make sure that you're in the know of what's going on with oh my allergies we post updates if there's going to be an episode this week different sneak peeks behind the scenes if there's not going to be an episode that's just a really good way to keep in contact of what oh my allergies is doing um make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast on your podcast platform of choice uh rate and review the podcast just so that we can get you guys' feedback let us know what you guys like what you want more of um and also your review could be featured on the podcast I could read it. It could be really cool. And I'd love to see more ratings and reviews from you guys. Also, make sure that you tell people you know and people that you don't know about this podcast. And I'll talk to you guys in the next episode. Bye, guys.